Thank you to the guys who were leading us in worship. There were a few songs there that were completely unplanned, but really felt the Holy Spirit um, leading us in that. And, uh, but I'm really excited for the tapestry, like I said, that God is weaving in front of us. Um, and I believe that the word that Stephen has is for now. Um, we worshipped wonderfully. And so um, I have no challenge of speaking for a long time. My challenge comes in when I have to cut down and speak short. So let's see how I do. I'm really going to try. Um, a few uh, months ago, I wasn't planning on, on sharing this, but I felt the Lord give me a word um, that I had to ponder on a bit. Um, it was during a time when we were really um, speaking a lot about the, um, how the Spirit manifests in us. And, and um, especially after this is that, a few months after that, um, the Lord um, shared with me this little phrase, don't be a storm chaser. And I had to ponder on it a little while. And I don't know if you guys know, but in the USA especially, there's a, a group um, of people or hobbyists, I don't even know, uh, they chase storms. Crazy as it sounds, they drive into hurricanes and tornadoes. And um, why is beyond me? But... Um, the thrill of seeing the storm playing out from hundreds of meters away, not even a kilometer or so away, is so big that they can't get enough of it. Yet they are never personally affected by that storm. And that's when I, I asked the Lord, tell me what do you mean by this? I realized that when thunder hits the ground, it's one of the best things that can happen to it. It's, um, John's going to have to help me. What's that uh, called that it does with the ground? Yes, releases, uh, releases nitrogen into the ground, which, ma which makes it significantly more um, fruitful. Fertile is the word. Um, and I want, to be, I, I want us to be encouraged by that tonight, to say, Lord, we want to be in your storm, but we also want to be changed by it. We want that nitrogen to ignite within us so that we would be changed for good. And so um, this evening I want to share... Uh, a word with you. Sorry if I'm out of practice. I haven't been here in a while. Not in church, but yeah. Um, so I would never do this for personal gain, so forgive me, but I'm going to show you a few photos on the screen. I've never used media. Let's see how it goes. Um, and um, they're all of my baby. <laughs> with, but with very good reason, so please bear with me. <laughs> okay, it's not just making it about me. Okay. Okay. Um, but for those who are taking notes, um, this morning I want to, because it's a very special time in our lives, um, I feel the Lord often ministers to you in the season that you're in, and He shows characters of Himself in, in that time. And of course, as a brand new father, it's a whole new world um, of what the father heart of God is towards us. And so, um, let's quickly, yeah, title, if you want a title, it is The Diary of a Milk Drinker. Um... That is the title for today's message, um, Diary of a Milk Drinker. Okay, so let's share some photos. So um, whatever you think you see, don't worry, this is not too much. Let's see the first photo. That is the best moment of my life, when Amelia was born. That is 12 minutes past nine on the 7th of August. Um, and the moment I saw her being taken out like that, um, this is not a professional photographer, this is all me, just I'll take the credit. Um, <laughs> the moment I saw being ta uh, taken out, um, I, I was reminded of Psalm 127. You don't have to put it up yet. I just want to read it here. 
Um, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. And we've, over the past few years, uh, we have gained and we have lost. Um, And as it says in Job, the Lord gives and He takes away. And this was one of those times when the Lord gave generously. And my heart obviously melted. (laughs) Um, And the next image is the most demasculated I've ever felt. I've never cried as much in my life. Um, But a very significant thing happened in this moment. I've never even seen her eyes open at this point. She was 18 minutes old. And I knew that I would would die for her right now. I have no relationship with her. She wasn't in my womb that I could have bonded with her for nine months. But I knew I would die for her on the spot. Which is, you don't understand it unless you've been there, which many of you have. Um, Okay, so now... She was born, and then we go home. So that's image number three. Every baby has to go home, unfortunately. Is there, is there image number three? There we go. That is two minutes after she arrived at home. Um, and it's unfortunate in this circumstance because any of you who had the privilege of having a baby in a private hospital knows that you hate leaving that place. You wish you could take a few nurses with you because all of a sudden you've got a new thing that you need to do and you have no idea how to do it. And that night, this very night that she came home, I spent some, well, obviously, I I had a shower. I've mentioned this before. I have epiphanies in the shower all the time. And one of those epiphanies was, although I've been married for a few years and I would regard myself as mostly a selfless person, the Lord, just in this, I was thinking about, there's no option for us to choose just not to care for her for an hour. And, And really, the Lord showed me, actually, you are the most selfish creature in the world because you, you've never had a situation where that thing has been put to the test. Now, if you don't do what even you don't like sometimes, a person will die. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, Lord, yes, I was selfish, even if I thought I wasn't. And so that was a beautiful epiphany, which I believe built onto my character. Um, and then image number four. This is about two weeks ago um, when she sat up properly for the first time which um, now opens up a whole new world. All of a sudden, you start taking in what's going on around you, and now we can't get her to lay down. That's a whole crying spell. She just wants to be up until her neck starts doing this, and she really has no energy left, and then we have to put her down. Okay, almost there. Thanks for bearing with me. About a week ago, the next image, she starts noticing there's other people like me around. Um, and she is, she's starting to make her first friend. And what's beautiful is up until this point, she's received a whole lot. But she's never realized that what she does also provokes response. So when I touch my friend's arm, she reacts. When I smile at her, she smiles back at me. And all of a sudden, she realizes she's also giving something in society. It's not just her. And then um, the best for me, Alicia would say, I was, I was like a child. I was this excited, was the next milestone. First solids. That is butternut all around her mouth. And I was really excited about this, the most proud and messy moment um, of the past few years in our lives. Okay, and the very last picture of Amelia is Amelia at the age of 25. <laughs> she walks and talks and eats and works and she's a blessing to everyone around her. Isn't she, isn't she beautiful? So will you just leave this up for a second while I go to that portion of scripture in Psalm 127? Behold, 127, 3 to 5. Um, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. 
Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies at the gate. And although Amelia right now brings loads of joy into our life, you can take it down, she, can, she can't really be a blessing right now, except for the occasional laugh. Or a, um, but she can't bless us like we can bless one another right now. If anything, it'll probably get a bit worse and worse over the next few years until we get a hold on the terrible twos and all those other things that people uh, call it. But um, she's not in the space where she can learn from mistakes. She's exceptionally needy, and she puts herself in danger all the time. And she can't learn from it. And so imagine now a 25-year-old that never learned, so that image you just saw, that never learned how to crawl, never learned how to walk or talk or eat food. Do you think it would look like that? I think what it would look like um, is a grown baby. Let's see what that would look like. <laughs> Those are babies um, who much time has passed, but they just never grew up. I specifically like the car dealer. I would buy anything from him. Um, so obviously that's a bit of um, human now, but <laughs> um, I don't think any of these kids can bless their parents because they might have the intellect of a third-year university student, but they can't do anything for themselves. They, uh, they would have to be picked up and taken to the supermarket and whatever, so they're of no use right now to society. And um, I, I guess from everything I've already shared, you've kind of figured out where this is going. It's, it's going from the milk to the solids. Um, and so I want to uh, share some scripture from, um, from Hebrews quickly. So Hebrews 5... Um, Paul explains something to the, to, to the Hebrews, um, which is a bit more of a deep, um, a deep dive into, into the ways of Christ and the knowledge of Christ. And he actually um, kind of interrupts him. If you, go, um, if you go read it, you'll see he starts going down a, a, a path, and then he interrupts himself. He stops what he's saying. It's very weird. You can check it out. Hebrews 5, verses 12 to 14. And then he continues saying, almost stopping himself, saying this. For, through by the, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And I want to just share another one um, that Paul wrote, 1 Corinthians 3, verses 1 to 2. But brothers, I could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready. You are not re yet ready. So, this evening, um, well, leading up to this, the Lord really spoke to me about this. In, in, in the way we see society work out, Age is a really important deal um, because it gives you some sort of credibility. And I guess it's true because um, there's one thing that age helps, and that's with wisdom over the years and experience that you can't discount. But there's people that would have been saved for 10, 15, 50 years, and they will still be lagging behind those who have said, God, take me, take everything of me. And they can't take an inheritance. And so as we, um, we dive into this, um, this was not something that I planned to share, but it was such a nice, I was so glad it came to me. It's a scripture that I'll say towards the end. 
Um, I don't know if anyone here has been a, a beneficiary of someone's, um, of an inheritance. Um, and more often than not, there is a clause in that inheritance that says, if this child is not over 18 or 21 years old, they can't have it yet. It has to stay um, in that, what do you call it, estate, or, or, or in a trust normally. And there's actually scripture, and I'll, I'm going to share it with you later, where the Lord actually says, a child cannot yet grab onto, ugh, I'm not going to do it justice, let me try and go to it quickly. Because that was very powerful for me. Um, you don't have to go there, um, but, um, Galatians 4 verse 1. I mean that the heir, as long as he is a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. And the Lord um, said to me, the trouble is that some of us are still infants in the faith, and that might for some be okay, but actually what God is saying, unless you mature in the faith, and it's a choice, you can't have your inheritance. You can't remain a child and take a hold of the inheritance which he has left you. That's the specifications of his estate. And um, so I want to quickly just go, to, go to, uh, through some of those, those first phases. Um, okay. So I want to go through what are the marks of spiritual maturity. But I'm going to go really quickly because I feel like I'm already going too long. Um, of spiritual maturity, and obviously, how does it relate to now a, a human baby and those steps that you follow? So the first thing is that you, at some point, were born. Hopefully, all of us were born like normal humans and not some random spiritual experience. Um, and just the way that when we are born, our parents understood that we are on our way um, I mean, us recently, but now Gedi and Linky, they're making preparations for a, a third person to enter their house. And in the same way, the Lord knew exactly what we were going to be like. He knew we were coming. Um, he prepared a plan for us. Ephesians, I didn't prep this, but Ephesians 2.10 speaks about it. He says, the Lord has prepared a way for us so that we would walk in it. And He's promised that already. And just one of those beautiful passages of Scripture, Psalm 139 I told him before I have too many scriptures, so she, she didn't show everything. Um, but that, that portion of scripture in Psalm 139, which says, You formed my inward parts, and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that you were uh, formed for me, when there was yet none of them. So the Lord knew the day that you, were physically, that you physically entered this earth, that he has a massive plan for you. And I guess all he was saying is, please be obedient to my call so that you can walk in those things. And then you were born. And he loved you so much, like in that photo where I look into Amelia's face for the first time, and I'm like, I would die for this girl. She's done nothing for me. Nothing I, uh, that, that she has done was, uh, wow, that was incredible. She was literally sleeping for the first two weeks. There was nothing too exciting about that other than her actual presence. And in the same way, God loved us even before we chose him. And um, I, I think we, we, we got that scripture last week, Romans 5, 8. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood. So we were born into the world. God knew exactly what he intended for us, but we still had to make a choice. And even that time, while we haven't made a choice yet, he said, I love you. I love you so much that even before you were born, I let my son die on a cross for your sins. But how do we take a hold of that thing? And that's by making a choice and saying, Lord, I'm coming home. 
I'm actually coming home. So on day three on that photo, when we first brought Amelia home, it was, it was mania. The dogs were jumping up and down. The cat was barking. The birds were mowing. Um, I've never seen, there was dust clouds. It was ridiculous. I've never seen anything like it at our house erupting. And the word says that when a lost person comes to Christ, that's what's happening up in heaven. And the day that we chose Jesus, there was a party like none you've ever seen in your life going on in heaven. And now they're celebrating what is to come. You've, got, you've come one step closer into your relationship with God. You've recognized that He's died for you, and you've taken a hold of His love, and you've come into His kingdom. Even as Jesus um, said in the parable of the lost sheep, He left 99 who thought or thinks that they are righteous for the one that is lost but wants to return home. And that's what He did for us. But we know coming to Christ and choosing Him, or oh, I hope we know, that that wasn't enough. The day that we chose Jesus, that, that, it, it didn't finish there. Um, frequently we read in the Word that it's a continuous process of sanctification, and it tells us to work out our salvation daily. And many of us might have been saved for 30 years, and some of us for five years, that might be a long time, and we might still be in exactly the same place that we were the day that we got saved, when we started getting the basics. And so what happens next? We start setting up. We start setting up and we start looking around us. All of a sudden, we joined into community and we start learning, okay, Lord, I have, I've, I've had an experience with you, but now I'm starting to look at those around me. I'm starting to learn from them. I, uh, before this, Lord, all I, was, all I could see as a baby who could only lie down are ceilings and ceiling fans and light fixtures. But all of a sudden, I'm starting to see people who are just like me but they've, they've advanced further in life. And they've, in this case, they've advanced further in the faith. And we have a beautiful privilege of taking cues and learning from one another in that way. And, and it's only been two weeks, and I could see it. Since the day she started setting a whole social life changed. Because all of a sudden, she's seeing the way I look, um, the way I look at Alicia, the way... Um, I wanted to say what's on the TV, but that's barely ever on. So. But, but, but she's starting to take cues from those around her. And in the same way, we can't just come in and make a decision and say, oh God, I'm following you, and walk out and say, it's just me and you, Jesus. Community was the way that God designed it. And so I've got good news. You're all in the clear because you're here right now. You've chosen community. And so that's why we're here. We're learning from one another. If we choose to come here to belong to a club, but we're not actually taking our cues from one another and being um, spurred on to love and good works by one another, there's really no good reason to be here because we're learning from one another. Okay, the next thing. You've settled in. You've been here a while. I've been looking around in the room for a long time now. Then I start making friends. And that's what I, I think we're good at doing that. We make friends well. So community fellowship. And all of a sudden, it's not about what, uh, what has God done for me and what can I learn from those around us. All of a sudden, I'm saying, wait a minute, I also have something to give. All of a sudden, when I start touching my baby friend's arm, she looks at me and, and there's things that she notices and saying, wait, I'm also a person and people are seeing me as well, not to make me great, but I can bring something here. And that's that concept of the ABCs of, of kingdom life. Abide, belong, and contribute. Your time, your gift, your everything, serving, this, tithing boxes being passed around, 
Um, I think we have an amazing culture of serving well, but, and that's, that's when you become family. And I think Benny has mentioned this before. Sorry if I'm misquoting you. Um, if you find yourself often being critical about how things are being done, all you need to do is start serving because then you start taking ownership of, of this. If you're looking from the outside, everything might look like a flop. But really, when you start becoming a team player, you, under, you just take ownership of it. And this is all of ours. And so when we start contributing, we start, then we start blessing society. We become a blessing to our parents, like they say in Psalm. In this case, a blessing to our father. But I don't want to stop there. We have to start eating solids. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, if a baby, um, we have no dietitians in this congregation, and like two million in the AM congregation, so luckily no one's going to audit me now. But the issue, we've got medi medical personnel, does that count for something? Um, the problem with mother's milk is that it carries a baby well up until a certain point, especially iron and a few other minerals starts depleting after a while, and they need substance from somewhere else. Otherwise, the growth will stop. And so it was beautiful. Milk, as simple as it seems, is so rich, and it's got so many uses. Um, you, some of you will know that, but, but that's not going to sustain you for only that. It's not going to sustain you past six months or whatever it is. You, 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 there's some, something is going to start lacking in you, and you won't grow, and you'll end up looking like boss baby, a baby with a suit on, because years would have passed, and obviously scientifically that's not true, you would pass away, you won't grow up as a baby, but you, you get what I'm saying. So a baby would die in the beginning stages when they're drinking milk, a baby can die within 24 hours of not having milk, where for a human, for an adult, we can go without food for about 40 days. I know it's rough, but we can, and I haven't tried. But um, within a day, and we have to understand that when we come to Christ, there should be an urgency about us to say, we have to start getting used to the solid food as soon as possible. Otherwise, I'm gonna, this is not going to be enough for me. I'm going to die. It's all the things that are fun. So um, it's funny to, to, to watch a baby eat solids for the first time. The frowns, they don't like it. At least Amelia didn't like it at all. And she was, it wasn't a good taste because their taste buds aren't developed. So there's a few things that makes it a little bit difficult. The first thing is, and it's the same with spiritual solid foods, is we're not used to it. It's not the things that we are used to hearing. The things that we are used to hearing makes us feel better about ourselves. It makes us feel like, Jesus loves me, this I know, and nothing will change that ever. That's the kind of thing. But now all of a sudden, it's challenging me a little bit. It's just not what I'm used to. And the second thing is, it takes longer to process and mull over. So if, you, if something arrives on your desk, metaphorically speaking, and it's taking you a long time to, to get through it, that, that's the kind of solid food. And that's the good reason why we didn't give Amelia steak as her first meal. The third point is, using it to your benefit, actually making energy and nutrients out of it, is much more difficult for your body. Your bo well, in this case, your, your heart and your mind. You have to start getting used to take it, and it can go into condemnation, it can go into an achiever spirit, but to really use it well and, and apply it in a way that Christ would have you do it, it takes practice. And the fourth point is, is the good one. It will make you grow up into what God has called you to. And I want to use a quick illustration. In the medical field, there's a bit of a, 
a new thought. I don't know if it's, I don't know who's into dermatology, but they might be aware of this. So, so there's a differentiation between your actual age and your body age, or your actual, actual age and your skin age. And so, um, and, and that's, I like it. So I'm going to read a small portion from a medical article relating to that, and then I'll bring it back. So your chronological age and biological age might not be the same. Chronological age is the number of years that you've been alive, where biological age refers to how old your cells and the tissues are based on a physiologic, physiological evidence. If you're especially healthy and fit for your age, your biological age may be well lower than your chronological age. But if you're sedentary, chronologically ill, or in poor physical condition, your biological age may well be higher. And I think it's very much the same thing in your spiritual walk. And so often, um, I don't know if I should say this. <laughs> I'll say it anyways. Benny can give me a hiding afterwards. Oftentimes, I would feel... Um, I would, um, I would pick up something where I know this older person thinks I'm, I'm, I'm an achiever or I'm, I'm, I'm a teacher's pet. And, and the reason for that is sometimes you just, or maybe it's just, I don't know. But the reason is I've chosen at some point, I don't care how young I am, I'm going to fully submit my life to Christ and what he's called me to do. And, 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 and usually you'll get those guys who are... Whatever age has worked for the Lord for many years, there's lots of, lots of knowledge, but very little solids being absorbed that would feel, looking from the outside, saying, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's a jostling or a grasping happening there. But when Paul speaks to Timothy, he says in 1 Timothy 4.12, he says, don't let anyone despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, conduct, love, faith, and purity. And the other way could also be the case. Um, let no one despise you because you're old. Set the youth an example. And so age, chronological age is of no significance here. I think you, what takes some people 30 years to, to get to can take someone else two years because they say, Lord, cut me and I'll take it. And it's because, Lord, I really want to reflect you well. And so I think we have an, all have an opportunity to, to reverse the clock of our spiritual age. No advance the clock, because in this case we want to be more mature. It's a bit the other way around. So, okay, I'm checking the time. I've, I'm, I'm going to be quick. Um, so I've got a few, just quickly, what are the marks? I've got six points, and this is what I want us all to take home. It's impossible to have an exhaustive list. I don't claim to be a theologian or an award-winning writer. For me to say these are the signs of spiritual maturity would be very arrogant and a very long shot. But when I was finding the Lord for these things, this is what the Lord highlighted to me to say, these six things is maybe where some of us might be lacking, um, including myself. And so if you've got four of the six right, that's fine. Then there's room for maturing in the other areas. And so let's go through them quickly. The first sign that you are spiritually mature is that the world does not have a hold on you. Um, you can put up Luke 8 verse 14. Um, is it? Um, and as for what fell among the thorns, um, and I think this ties in well with something Renee shared in the in the prayer meeting. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and the riches and the pleasures of life. Life and their fruit does not mature. And I think the first sign of spiritual maturity is. 
you don't have a love for the world in your heart anymore. You, you, you're very much aware of what's going on out there, and you've got loads of compassion for it, but it doesn't grip your heart. The, when equity, all the normal stuff that worries us, when the inflation rate goes up and, or when some unnamed political party does something silly, it, it doesn't consume your mind. It doesn't upset you because the world doesn't have a hold on you. You understand that you are an alien in this world and that everything is temporary. The second one is you have assurance of faith. Hebrews 6 verses 10 to 12, if you can put that up. Um, is that it? For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints as you still do. And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end so that you may not be sluggish but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. That word sluggish means slow, slow to do or slow to learn. And so that's the second one. Do you have assurance of your faith? And, and if you don't have assurance of your faith, that's most often two things. The first one is condemnation, because although you are not living in sin anymore, the, the enemy is continuously condemning you of past sins, and that's not of God. The Word says that those who are in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for them. And so condemnation is a feeling of guilt for something that you're not even involved with anymore. It's something that, that you shouldn't be condemned about. We should be convicted, but not condemned. So that's the first thing. Either you are condemned and you need to get that thing out of the way because if you, if you start believing God's word, you won't feel condemned. You would, you would repent and move forward. So either you're feeling condemned or you, you don't have assurance of faith because... What was my second point there? <laughs> um, because you are returning to your old ways the whole time. Because you, because you haven't taken a hold of that 300... No, not 360. I always get this wrong. Do not turn 360. You'll be heading back to it again. 180 degree turn. You haven't walked away actively from sin. In that case, that means that you, ha you don't have a hold on those sins. And that's also an issue. And so the assurance of faith means you don't, every time there's a, a call for a response of salvation, I'm not talking about other responses, that you don't feel like, I, I want to just double check because I'm not sure I'm actually saved. So if you're mature in Christ, you understand that you have assurance of salvation. Yes, we are walking out our salvation daily, but you know that if Jesus comes now, you'll be with him. And that's the second sign of um, maturity in the Lord. The third thing is you are teachable. Let's read from 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 to 14. Now we've received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might, be, that we might understand the things freely given us by God, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths for those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept these, the things of the Spirit, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you can just leave that up. So very important to understand, naturally, of a natural person, you won't be teachable naturally, we are all arrogant, we are all proud. If the Spirit doesn't do the work in you, it's, it's like it gets lost in translation. The Spirit um, um, humbles you, the Spirit makes you teachable. And so if you could just go one back, the first part of the Scripture, it, it just notice, um, and we impart this. 
This is Paul saying. So the Spirit will reveal these things to you, but Paul's saying, we impart these. And so expect that someone who you um, imitate in the faith will come up to you and impart certain truths to you if they see that thing lacking in your life. And so a sign of spiritual maturity is I'm happy to take it every time. The, the people I've looked up most to in my life are the people who, even when they know that they know that this is not an issue in their life, and someone brings it against them, that they will go back to the drawing board and say, Lord, seek me. Maybe this is a thing I'm not aware of. And so that's the fourth one, or the third one, rather. The next one, three, three left, is you seek unity in the church. First part of it. And the second one is you reject the idea of taking offense. So let's read a scripture together quickly. Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience and bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain, not willing, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit um, in the bond of peace. Eager to maintain the unity. And the second one, um, uh, on this point, I'll just read from here. Um, it's in Hebrews 12, um, verse 14 to 15. Strive for peace with everyone and for, the holiness, um, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. The scripture is saying that if there's a root of bitterness, I don't like the way Retief looked at me this morning. That defiles the whole body. We can't afford offense in the house of God. So a sign of spiritual maturity is you are not easily offended and you run towards unity. The fourth one, you can discern truth. Ephesians 4 verses 11 to 14 and he gave the apostles, the prophets, yeah, this is where 4.12 comes from, Ephesians 4.12. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the um, stature of the fullness in Christ, of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And a very quick second one on this one is Hebrews 5.14. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So a sign of spiritual maturity, the fifth one is you can discern the truth. You are not easily pulled left and right by every YouTube video you see. You know when you're looking at something. So Alicia and I um, did a little activity about two years ago. and She, always, um, she, she was always very, um, at that time, very insecure about her, um, about her knowledge of Scripture and the Word. And I said, I think you know more than you think. <laughs> so I said, let's... Let's look at some guys um, on YouTube, and you tell me what you think of them. And now these are people I know, um, who I definitely enjoy, and I definitely think is a real heresy. And I said, let's look at it. 
And, and she, uh, surprisingly, she, well, not surprisingly, surprisingly to her, she was able to tell me, no, 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 like first two seconds in, she's like, I don't want to watch any more of this. This is not the gospel I know. Um, and that's the place we need, we need to know. Something in our spirit needs to jump up and down and out of its cage when, when, we, when heresy comes across our path. Um, now, this is not to say we shouldn't go to the elders or go to those we trust with doctrine to say, to test something for us, but you're not going to be pulled around. You, you, can, you, you, can, you can stick to the line of truth, and when anything is a, a doubt in your mind, you, you can check it out with the eldership, but you're not always being pulled around by, by the new guy on the block. And the final sign of spiritual maturity is you operate in your spiritual gifting. 1 Timothy 4, verses 14 to 16 do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy. So, so now Paul's talking to Timothy, which is a very specific case, but I think it applies generally as well. Don't neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on your teaching. Persist in this, for by doing so, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Immerse yourself in your gift. Um, practice it. And just another one, and, we, and most of us know this, and you don't have to put this one up for Romans 12, verse 48. Uh, sorry, don't put it up. <laughs> for as in one body we have many parts, and the members do not all have the same function, so um, though many, we are one body in Christ. And I don't, I'm not even going to read the rest, but I think you get the point. If you are supposed to be the big toe, as little as the big toe in this body... We can't walk. We'll be out of balance just because you didn't want to. I think growing up, I had this misconception that the guy who's in front, the guy who is doing the most, is the guy who's most confident in his own ability. And what a skewed sense of kingdom that is. It's, it's, not the, it's the guy who's saying, Lord, I don't trust myself at all, but I trust that you're going to do something here through me. And so that's an encouragement to say, spiritually mature people walk in their gift. If you don't know what your gift is, ask someone who you trust around you. More often than not, it's very evident to those around you what your gifting is. And so, let's land. Sorry, I went fast now. <laughs> I hope it wasn't too... Okay, so let's get into landing. Um, I want to read that scripture again. Um, if you can, I think it was the first one, Psalm 3, um, 3 127, verses 3 to 5. Behold, children, and now we're speaking about us and our Father. Children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. And blessed is a man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks, uh, when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Um, if you are a three-year-old, or a, let's make it older. Maybe that's a, a close threshold. If you, if you have a five-year-old that never learned to speak, and it's not a medical reason, they never got off milk. They're eating food, but they're also having some milk still. That's an that's a awkward situation. Everyone's going to frown a little bit when you leave to go breastfeed your five-year-old. And when I read that thing of, they will not be put to shame at the gates. It's that thing of, God, am I doing what you have put me here to do? Am I an arrow in your quiver? Am I useful to be shot from your bow? 
And I think we start becoming useful when we start walking in maturity. And now what I want to say is, although we went through these as the marks of someone who is spiritual, spiritually mature, this is not only am I qualified, it's these are the things I'm reaching for. If you're not there yet, that's what we're going for. And so uh, when we spoke about earning your, uh, getting your inheritance when you come of age, the good news here is it's not chronological age. You, you, can, you can become of age as quickly as you will allow the Spirit to do within you. And so when the Lord laid this on my heart, it was such a strong sense that five years from now, George P.M., can be one big, sorry, I'm not, <laughs> this sounds very harsh. I'm speaking to myself too. There's always areas to mature in. But we can be one big nursery school or we can be a bunch of grown-ups in the Lord because from that thing comes multiplication. A baby can't have babies. And so how does the kingdom grow if we, if we don't, if we don't it, it come under God's lordship and say, Lord, change me. I want you to cut me. I want you to pierce through my heart. And so, whether you are tonight, I don't know everyone here, because there's a few new faces, so whether you are a newborn in the Lord, um, or whether you have walked with the Lord for 40 years, 50 years, this should make no difference to how you hear this tonight. The call is to become spiritually mature in the Lord. And so, if you give your life to Jesus for the very first time tonight, um, I, I was trying to formulate in my head earlier. I'm just looking at my own journey because I also had many um, areas where I was, and, and, and now still, where I'm probably a little bit stubborn still, um, maybe not sin issues, but I could do better. And then um, I thought to myself, if you really have to say, Lord, I'm going to open myself to your pruning unconditionally, I think God can do, God, God can change nations with someone that's been saved for a year. You don't have to be saved for 10, 20, 30 years. It's about God. What, so it shouldn't be, how long have you been saved? It's, your testimony should be, what if I allowed God to do in my life? And so, um, to, can, I, can I go ahead with this? Um, so I think um, I would be the first to respond to say, Lord, I, haven't, I am not fully mature in all of these areas yet, and I have constant work that's needed inside of me for these things too. But I want to I just distinguish maybe between three groups tonight, and I'm hoping that uh, the Lord will cut our hearts and, and just bring us to this place. So um, I, I would just like to start with a prayer. Lord, our heart's desire is to glorify your name. If we never go on to solid food, Father, we will be like a baby who never learned to walk and we won't proclaim the gospel and we never learn to talk and we can't tell people about you. We would, we would really be pew warmers in your kingdom. And Lord, we want to get to a place where we no longer um, come to you, uh, into your presence to hear lullabies and soothing words and sounds, but where we can say, Lord, how can I bless you? And so, Father, I ask that you would open each one of our hearts. We know that your spirit does not condemn, but it does convict. And so, Lord, I ask that, that tonight that you would convict every heart that needs to be convicted because, Lord, I do not want to be a baby in your kingdom a year from now. I want to allow you to cut me deep. 
And so, Lord, would you, would you give us the courage the, um, the, the, and the want and the will um, to become more like you and allow you to start catching in our hearts?